What if I told you that there's a cure for chronic pain? Yes, for that pain you were told you would just have to manage. And what if I told you that that cure is already inside of you? Would you believe me? Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast where we talk about how to truly alleviate chronic suffering. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and I'm really pleased to be here with you for episode eight today. So in this episode, I speak to the incredible Sarah Ed, who runs a Instagram community called Breaking Down CPT, CPTSD, so Chronic Post Traumatic Stress Disorder. And Sarah brings language and tools and ways of thinking about mind-body healing through parts work, which have been incredibly helpful for me on my own healing journey. So I'm so incredibly uh, happy and excited to have her uh, here to talk to all of you. And yeah, uh, but I won't dwell too long in this um, introduction. I will just jump into it because this is a rather long episode, but it is definitely worth it. You don't have to listen to it all in one sitting. Please feel free to pause and come back to it. Um, but yeah, quick reminder, don't forget to follow the show on Facebook or Instagram. So there's a page called at Let's Talk Mind Body Healing if you want to stay updated um, on new episodes and you know um, get some great quotes and things from the episodes. And oh, and yes, lastly, I will just play my quick disclaimer, which I do play at the start of every episode, um, because while I do encourage you all to really um, consider this mind-body work, it's important that you are safe and you do um, make sure that you are safe and okay uh, to do this work. I hold my doctorate in education but I'm not a medical doctor. All the content I provide in any medium, including but not limited to this podcast, is for informational purposes only. No content provided by me is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The purpose is to promote broad understanding and knowledge of various health topics. If you choose to use any information provided by me, you do so solely at your own risk. Always seek the guidance of your doctor or qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or a medical condition. Do not embark on a mind-body healing journey till you have clearance from your healthcare practitioner to do so and until you have discussed how to apply mind-body healing to your own individual case with your healthcare practitioner. Uh, so welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and today I'm here with Sarah Ed to talk to you about some of the emotional uh, pains that can underlie chronic pain. And this is particularly an episode for those of you who may be wrestling with some childhood or self-identity issues, which are things that have come up for me as I've been undergoing my own mind-body journey and they have come up in some some very unexpected ways 
Now, Sarah runs the most incredible Instagram page, which I will let her tell you about. But I've invited Sarah on today because her resources were an incredible source of comfort for me. And so I'm sure they will be for many of you too. So as I've gotten into this work and I started running head on into some really negative and limiting beliefs that I had about myself and who I am, and I started looking at, you know, my hyper-independent, responsible, perfectionistic personality and realizing that that was really shaped by things like trauma and loneliness and fear. I ran into a lot of issues with the question of who am I? Because everything I thought I knew about myself was really built around a place of fear. And to let go of this meant really letting go of everything I thought I knew about myself. And it was as I started being confronted by these issues that I found Sarah and her work at the time was really getting to the heart of what I was beginning to face. So Sarah, welcome. A really big welcome. Um, so maybe could you start off by just introducing yourself, tell us a little bit about your Instagram page and any other resources you might have for anyone listening who this episode might resonate with. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I feel really honored and grateful to be a part of the, of the podcast. And um, I think the work that you're doing, talking about um, the connections between chronic pain and the underlying um, emotional issues that can be there are, are really important. I think um, because people are in so much physical and emotional pain. So I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Um, like you said, my name is Sarah Aird. Um, about, I guess it's been like eight months ago, I started an Instagram account, um, which grew into um, a community called Breaking Down CPTSD. CPTSD um, is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, I started the page um, as a complex trauma survivor myself um, because uh, I'd been on a healing recovery journey for um, uh, about 15 years. And I think what I realized through the process is um, complex trauma survivors um, are often in need of a variety of resources, um, like you're kind of talking about resources that address physical pain, resources that address identity, um, resources that um, address emotional dysregulation. And what can be really difficult is finding those resources. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so a lot of, I think, survivors start healing um, and they run into the obstacle of not being able to find what they need and then feel like the reason they can't heal is because they're broken or because they just right can't do um, what's handed to them. And so breaking down CPTSD um, was created as a way to bring those uh, educational resources, tools, right, and make them accessible to uh, CPTSD survivors because they are super, it can just be really hard to find and it can be hard to find um, 
professionals, communities and practitioners that are trauma informed. Um, so I think people can end up feeling um, really discouraged, lost, right? And kind of hopeless um, inside complex trauma recovery. So, um, so you can view the resources um, and community that I'm building through Instagram um, on breaking down CPTSD. I also have um, a website that's sarahair.com. Um, and on there, I'm building out more resources. There is a um, survivor shop um, where I am creating and designing keepsakes, workbooks, um, other resource tools um, for survivors. And then I hope to, um, yeah, just continue to build out um, the accessibility of those tools and resources for survivors through the website, um, through the Instagram page. And an upcoming, um, I guess, uh, product for the survivor shop is going to be a parts work journal um, written from a survivor perspective, which is mine. So I think sometimes Jumping into um, things like parts work can feel really overwhelming because the books can feel really clinical mm -hmm. and the vocabulary can be hard and right. It's just, it's a lot to navigate. Um, so I have taken um, my experience of parts work and kind of written it as a conversational journal um, to help survivors work through that. So you talk about um, parts work there. Oh, also, I should say, everyone, go check that out because, um, as I said before, Sarah's resources have been an incredible source of support um, for me. So if any of this is resonating for you, please go and check that out. Um, but you mentioned uh, parts work. Um, can mm -hmm. you explain a little bit about sort of what that means? Yeah, so... Um... Like you said before, uh, after I'd been um, recovering for, for a while, um, right, I started to recognize certain things in myself. Um, one was like identity issues, like you said, not understanding or, or feeling at least really detached from who I, who I am or, right, not being able to define that very well. Yeah. I also... Um, right, as a, as a P or a complex PTSD survivor was noticing like I'd have moments um, in my day to day where I'd almost feel like I lost control of the wheel, right? Like something inside of me would arise and uh, it would have an intensity, right? An, an, an emotional reactivity, um, right? And I feel I'd feel like I was losing control of, um, right, like my behaviors or like, you know, and then when I'd come back in, I would feel like what, what just happened, right? So I didn't have words for that until I was introduced to parts work um, specifically through IFS, which is inner family systems work. And all of a sudden I had language right, for, for what I was experiencing.
experiencing, which was this kind of fragmentation of the soul or like a fragmentation of identity, meaning like I felt really split and that resonated with me, that feeling of like being broken into lots of little pieces. And so parts work was a framework um, to start working with those kind of disjointed, disconnected parts of myself. Like it helped me find the language to give them names, to work with them compassionately. Um, and it really laid out and kind of defined my internal experience, which I really didn't have a way of navigating before. So parts work is a way that we, um, so we like look at these different reactions or um, trauma responses that we have as parts of ourself. And then we learn how to dialogue and work with those parts to help meet their needs um, so that they aren't as right emotionally reactive um, or disruptive to our daily life. Mm. I actually really like the, the parts work for myself. It's been really helpful in sort of accepting things because it's, it's easier to, you know, a part of myself is angry right now. A part of myself is sad rather than, you know, I am sad. It's, mm-hmm. It really helps to bring some acceptance. Well, it did for me at least anyway. Absolutely. I think, right, like, um, before having this kind of language, we, at least I did, right, like, felt so absorbed, and, like, I felt like all of that was the whole of me, Yeah. Um, and that's really overwhelming, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you just spoke a little bit about identity issues and feeling detached, and can you speak a little bit about where that comes from so maybe going right back to some of our basic needs of attunement and safety yeah so um that was part of um my education through the parts work framework was like learning about why Mm. why I fragmented right or why I kind of broke myself into several different pieces um, I, I resonated, right, with that feeling of, of being broken or, like, being fragmented and, and dissociated and detached. Um, so then when I learned where that came from, it started to make more sense, which is um, that we have these two really fundamental developmental needs growing up, um, one of which is, right, wanting to be loved, wanting to belong, wanting to attach, Um, to people we care about, right? And then we also have a developmental fundamental need of wanting to feel safe, right? Wanting to feel protected. Um, And for some of us, right, those two needs um, come in conflict with one another when we grow up in abusive um, relationships or situations. So if we um, are with a caregiver and we're reaching out, right, to meet that need of attachment, of attunement and, and, and love and belonging, right? And attunement is like when somebody reflects back to us 
right? Like what we're mm-hmm. feeling and they do that in a compassionate way. They resonate with where we are. Um, so when we reach out to do that with our caregivers and we're met um, with harm or danger or abuse, right? Um, we then lack the safety, which is our another fundamental need. So those two needs then start to, um, right, kind of create this intense tug of war where it's like, I really, I really want to attach. I really want to attune and, and feel loved and like I belong here. At the same time, I don't feel safe, right, doing that. And yeah. I anticipate harm um, or, right, danger. And so those two start to, to, to come in conflict to deal with that, right? Because most, I think, um, complex trauma survivors, this stuff starts really early, right? In childhood, yeah. Um, we don't have resources, we don't have skills, we don't have language. And so in order to, to deal with that conflict, we start to, to split. So we take um, those experiences, right? Cut them off and then like put them over here in this corner of our mind and then over in this corner of our mind. And the more complex or chronic the trauma the more we have to split, right? So over time, we might find um, that we're quite fragmented, right? That we have all these compartments within our mind, right? That are holding um, different needs, different feelings. um, And when they kind of pop out into our present day life, right? It creates a lot of disruption and conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I think it's interesting because it's only as I've started doing this work that I've started to spot when they're popping out. No, mm-hmm. Before that would just happen sort of automatically and I wouldn't know that that's what was happening. But mm-hmm. now it's like I can go, oh, I see that that's coming from somewhere else, that I'm acting like that because of, you know, the little person in me is scared or, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's actually one of the reasons why it's so, what's the word? I guess like challenging because that, that fracturing is, is, is dissociative and it's not conscious, right? We're not, we don't remember this happening. And so like years later, it's just like you said, there's no awareness that like, this is a repressed part or a traumatic part, right? We're just, we're just in our daily lives kind of riding a really intense um, kind of roller coaster, right? Where things are just popping out and, and we don't really, right? We just maybe think that's just who I am, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, without, because we're disconnected or dissociated from that splitting so yeah without any context it just feels it feels chaotic yeah 100% and you speak about this this notion of the survival self that builds out of this this splitting um can you tell me a little bit more about that yeah so I think like um at least in my own experience right like as I've 
as I'm unconsciously fragmenting myself, right, and storing um, trauma in these compartments in my mind, I'm also at the same time creating um, a persona, right, or a representative that's going to help me, right, survive or get through the day. Um, and, and how each survivor survives, right, I think is, is dependent on a lot of different um, factors, but, right, we start to pick up coping mechanisms or defenses um, to keep that trauma at bay, right? Like we're trying to keep it compartmentalized. So we might start picking up, right, like codependency or perfectionism or um, overworking, addiction, eating disorders, right? So we start to pick up these survival um, coping skills, right? To keep us dissociated and compartmentalized because, you know, a community member said it actually this week because it's not safe to feel it yet, right? Mm. And so a survival self, um, kind of forms, right, to, to get us through our day-to-day, um, our day-to-day life. And there just tends to be, at least for me, you know, so much shame around that survival self, right, and, and, and what I end up doing to cope, right, to survive, to, um, get through the day. And I think, again, it's so disorienting because without a knowledge of that splitting or, or wondering like, why am I right? Like, why am I living like this? Um, and we might not have that answer, right? We just, we just know that, um, we need to survive and we just keep surviving. Yeah, I think this makes so much sense for me when I when I look at myself it was like I always felt like I was running from something mm-hmm. and like my own was a lot of, you know, numbness and disassociation and overworking and and it was like I was I was running from these split parts of myself in a way. Yeah, I think right like I really resonate with that idea of running and I think um one of the things that made the running so maddening was I didn't even know what I was running from at points, right? Like, cause I don't have, uh, for me, right. I don't have a lot of memory. I don't, right. I'm, I'm quite dissociated and fragmented, but I don't have those words. So I'm running and I don't know why. Right. And that's just for me, Right, that's just uh, the perfect equation for an incredible amount of shame. Yeah, yeah, and I have to wonder for um, chronic pain people if you know chronic pain becomes the perfect way of you know running from these feelings. If you're always focused on the pain, the physical pain, then the emotional feelings are kept at bay in a way. Yes, I think that's. Um, oh, I really resonate (laughs) with that because, um, sure. Like I think one way, right. Like that, that compartmentalized 
pain, that, that fractured split self, um, right, starts to show up is right in the body, right, through, you know, a variety of different, like, um, pains and, and mm. illnesses and, you know, different things like that. And I think your point about that, that in some ways, like it becomes a distraction from the emotional pain, right? Like I'm focused on this physical pain, um, right? In some ways that keeps us distanced from the, from the emotional pain. Um, and I always like, I think one of the things I discovered for myself was physical pain felt like something people would hear, right? Yeah. Like yeah. they were more likely as a culture and a society to like respond to somebody's physical pain versus like their emotional pain. And so in some ways it feels unconsciously maybe, right? More, um, like maybe more safer, right? To say like, um, I have a stomach ache versus like, I'm grieving. Yeah, I completely agree with that, that it feels safer and more accepted, you know, to have something physically pain rather than the emotional issues. We don't tend to talk enough about the emotional issues and, you know, at my worst, I would cry all the time. And it was like, I was so embarrassed about that. But it's like, mm -hmm. why can't we cry if we need to cry, you know? Yeah, I think like, um, there's definitely that, that stigma to right, like, um, right, that thing where it's like, I, yeah, that we would respond to somebody who's saying like, I'm in, I'm in chronic pain. It's like that, that gets a more compassionate response than like, I'm depressed. Right. Mm. Um, and so I think, I mean, I think there's a couple of levels here because for sure this compartmentalized pain and trauma is stored in our bodies, right? It's going to disrupt um, you know, our, our, our bodies on like a cellular level. Um, and so I think part of that's like the essence of trauma, but I think, like you said, it's also that that might be a safer way for it to manifest, um, than the other way, like than an emotional way. And I, I think for me, right, like in, in the environments that we're growing up in where we have to, where we have to compartmentalize and split, we're learning, right, that like emotional pain is not okay, right? Like it's not, it's not gonna be um, held, it's not gonna be comforted, it's gonna be dismissed, it's a burden, um, right? It will be rejected, betrayed, and so over time, right? It, yeah, it's safer to say I'm in physical pain versus I'm in emotional pain. Mm, for sure, for sure. And I think what was, what was hard for me is like going though to doctors, feeling so much pain and, and right being told like medically, 
I was fine, right? And that I think uh, is 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 a really difficult uh, part of this chronic pain, chronic illness thing is that mm. it's so real. And yet when we go seeking help for it, at least right medically, we might get similar messages that we got growing up, which is like, it's not real and you're fine. Yeah, I had that all the time. Every test I had, everything I had done always came back, you know, normal for me for like the majority of cases. And it was, you know, they would look at you and be like, you know, there's nothing else I can do for you. Like, yeah, you know, and yeah. I think that's another example, right? Where a trauma survivor starts to feel, right? This is an, is a way shame starts to show up because it's like, there must be something really wrong with me. There must be something, right? Like I must be really broken because I'm in so much pain, but they're telling me I'm, I'm normal, right? Like, um, so like in the face of, um, feeling so much pain, but right. Like not having it validated, like shame makes sense there. I think to me, like, not that it, that it's like a good thing, but it makes sense that it would show up because, um, we are, yeah, you're in, we're in so much pain and nobody, right, is seeing it. Yeah, and you just, you want to be, I don't know, held and felt, to you feel safe. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we spend years doing this um, and then eventually, um you know, you sort of start to feel like you're, you're at war and you've had years of, you know, little room for personal growth. And, you know, um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how, how it sort of ends up? Yeah, so I think, right, like, um, yeah, over the years through this kind of unconscious process, um, this compartmentalizing and splitting of the self, um, right? And, and, and kind of each of these, each of these parts, right, have, have different needs, have different fears, um, hold different traumas. Um, we grow up and we try to go out and, and build a life, right? Like, I think, in a human way, it's like, I want to go create this life that I want. I want those, you know, those same, still those same, you know, fundamental needs of like, I want to find a place where I can feel loved and belong. And I want to create safety and right. I want, I want to, I want a, a life, right. That I like enjoy and, um, and feel connected with people. Right. And like, and we get out there um, and it's, it's, it's hard, right? Like it, mm. it's, um, and I think, right, we, for me, the conflicts start to show up where it's like, um, you know, an example would be, right, like um, as I get older 
and I want to find a, a, a partner, right? A companion. It's like, I start to notice this conflict in me where it's like, I know I want that kind of relationship. And at the same time, I'm terrified of it. Right. And so it's, it's, it's confusing and it drives a lot of really confusing behaviors where it's like, I'm pulling close to people, but then pushing them away. Um, right. Like when people start to get close, I start to panic, um, even though it's what I want, but I don't right. Like, and so, um, right. And, and, and this can show up even in a lot of just you know, I, I get a job and um, I'm trying to build, uh, right, like a career that I want. Um, and it's like, I want to do it. And I'm, but I'm like incredibly overwhelmed by it. Like I want to succeed, but I'm terrified I'm going to fail, you know? So like these kind of day-to-day, right? Like what feel like basic parts of life, right? Right. Like having a partner, starting a family, creating a career, having friends, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, supporting ourselves. These start to become areas where we're at war. These parts start to get really conflicted where um, we want things, right? And we don't want them at the same time. And then I think like, I didn't have words for that forever until, you know, somebody says like, it's like being at war with yourself. And I'm like, yes, Mm. (laughs) that's what it is. Yeah, it is. I can really resonate with that, particularly in relation to relationship to finding a partner. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm very happily married, um, you know, and I'm very lucky. But when I, when I met my partner, you know, my sort of anxious, avoided attachment style you know, I can look back at that now and be like, wow, that really played out in the way I acted. You know, mm-hmm. I, would, I would cry if I had to say goodbye to him for a night and I would spend all night crying because we weren't together. And then, you know, I wouldn't want to go and see him again. I'd be like, nah, you know, we, we separated and it was all this pushing and pulling. Mm-hmm. And even now, the thing I'm struggling with now is finally doing all this work. I feel very like secure and secure in our relationship. But now I'm crippled by this sort of overwhelming fear that something will happen to him. Mm-hmm. And it's like this continuous tug of war of like, he makes me so happy. But then there's this fear of losing that happiness because it's just this. I'm like even paralyzed about being happy with him because then there's like, well, what if I lose that? You know? Yes. That's, like, I mean, that's such a yes. Yes, yes, yes to all those things. Yeah. <laughs> like that it makes a lot of sense too. Right. And it's not just like the conflicts of right in the fear. It's like, um, the conflicts in the joy, right. It's like, Oh, you know, like I really want joy. And at the same time, I'm terrified I'll lose the joy if I even find it. Right. Oh, so yeah, it's like, you can't even enjoy it. <laughs> I've, I've been going through at the moment, like, it's like every time I feel a bit of joy, I feel this like tinge of sadness at the end. I don't know if that Mm -hmm. makes sense to you, but it's like, it's like, I'm not allowed to be happy. I'm so afraid to be happy. That little sadness has to come in at the end to remind me like, 
you know, don't you dare. <laughs> yes. And I think like, to me, it makes, it makes so much sense. Cause it's like, if we go back to those, right, those developmental needs, it's like, we, we, well, I, I guess I started to, right, associate love with fear, with loss, right, with um, abandonment. So like, anytime I enter this realm of like, love and joy, I'm like waiting for the shoe to drop, right? I'm waiting for like, the fear, the abandonment, the grief, the loss, um, to follow it, right? They get kind of woven together, so that it's, it's really hard (laughs) to sit um, in those, in those good, right, in those feelings that, that, that I think, right, we all, we all want to feel. Um, And I think it makes also a lot of sense that we would feel a lot of grief in there, when we find love and safety um, that isn't, you know, accompanied by abandonment and rejection and betrayal, because it's like, we're finally getting what we've always, what we've always needed, which was love and belonging and safety and protection. And once we kind of land there, all that grief, right, of what we haven't had for so long can show up. And I think all of that can be really confusing as a survivor where it's like, I'm finally, I'm finally in this relationship where I feel loved and safe. And I'm, I'm scared I'm going to lose it. I'm crying all the time, right? Like, Mm. why is it so hard to be here? Um, But I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah, it certainly does when you put it that that way. Um, so I guess getting onto the question of asking who I who am I? Um, can you talk a little bit around that? Yeah, um, such a hard question for so long, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> um, I think like what you said you know, in the introduction, this, this idea of like, under, under supportive, healthy circumstances, and, and, and and in supportive, healthy relationships, we would have had um, the opportunity to develop and grow, right, ourselves as we, as we are, right, and like, with with acceptance right we would have been able to explore um what we like what we don't like what we're passionate about what's important to us um we would have felt safe right to like take risks go out and make some mistakes right and start to figure out um who we are right over time um with trauma and chronic abuse, um, right, and and being in relationships where we don't feel safe um, to be who we are. Instead, we're building our ourselves, right, around um, survival. So it's like, and again, all uh, like all unconscious, but it's like, who do I need to be to get through the day? 
instead of like, who am I? And who do I like, you know, what am I going to explore today? It's like, who do I need to be to survive this day? And I think we start unconsciously to figure out what that is, right? We, that looks like we become really hyper vigilant and Mm -hmm. monitoring of other people so that we can anticipate what they need so that we can give them those needs so that we can stay safe. Right. And, and we start to build personas around um, that surviving, right. As opposed to, to, to discovering like who we are. So later as adults, <laughs> when someone's like, well, like, you know, who are you? And like, what's your purpose? Or like, tell me about yourself. Those can be really jarring questions, um, you know, that we don't know how to answer because we're so used to answering, like, who do I need to be to be okay, <laughs> right? Like, mm. or who who do I need to be so that this person doesn't hurt me? Um, so, like, later, I think, you know, I think at least for me, right, I start to feel, what's the word? Like, I don't know, like, like, I would say actually like a deep emptiness where it's like, I feel hollow. Like, I don't know who I am, um, which makes it really hard to relate, you know, to people um, and connect authentically. That's where I start to notice it the most, right? It's like, as people want to get to know me, I think there's nobody to get to know. <laughs> like, I don't know who to show you, right? Like, um, who it is that I am. And so I think part of recovery, um, you know, is this discovery of self, which parts work would say, you know, is this collection, like collecting these fragmented parts back into the whole, um, that would be one aspect of it. But then it also becomes like this practice or process of like actually discovering who we are outside of trauma and survival. And I think for me doing that, you know, in my I I mean, I'm still doing it. (laughs) I think it's a lifelong process, but I guess what I, what I was going to say is that not being able to do that for decades was a huge loss. Like I, I, you know, like I wish I would have been able to, um, just be myself, right. Or discover myself and having to, um, go through that process um, later in life on this really fundamental level, it was, it was hard. Um, I'm starting to see it more as like a lifelong process, but I, I, I definitely grieve the years where, um, right. Like I'm just a survival self instead of Sarah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it is grief. And I think about, you know, for me that and as well of all the years that I had pain I think you know I look back throughout most of my childhood and my young adult life and I go it was all just pain 
you know, physical pain. That's all I remember of that really. And, you know, that's hard, but yeah. Yeah. And I, that, I, go ahead. I was going to say that description of, of just emptiness that resonates so well with my own experience as I was sort of pulling back the layers of, you know, where did this, you know, part of me come from? Or, well, you know, it come from that experience. And, you know, I built all these, you know, characteristics up, I guess, as you would say, in survival. And I was like, well, what's under all that? And I really struggled with this. I, I struggled between this, like, is it emptiness or is it something that's rotten? You know, I couldn't mm-hmm. connect with people the way I was. So maybe what's in there was actually rotten, you know, which is not true, but like a part of me believed that. And it, well, that was really hard to shift. And I had to do a lot of like, uh, my therapist at the time said the rottenness is fine because you can use that as like manure to like plant flowers like fertilizer yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah like fertilizer for your flowers so I did a lot of like meditating and like drawing flowers and things like that you know just initially to sort of ease my way in but yeah that, I mean actually as you're talking I I relate a lot and I actually remember in, in a period of time where I'm seeing a lot of doctors because of physical pain, the image for me is like that my insights are rotten. I, that's what I would think. I was like, I just, when I picture like my internal world, it just looks like it's decaying, right? Like it looks like it's rotting and it's dark and it's falling apart. Um, yeah, you're so- I think, go ahead. As I used to always say that about my face, because that's why I used to get a lot of uh, my pain in my face. And I would be like, it's like the bones in my face are all rotten. Like you would, you know, open them up and it would just be like rot. That's what I would say. So, yeah. yeah. And I think, right, like that speaks to like what you said is that, we, right, if, if sometimes it's hard to imagine the place before trauma, right? Where like, like what we might've been, before right like the pain and the trauma when it's been around for so long and it when it's been a part of our development like a part of us growing up it it it, it does it just feels like it, it it's always been there it's who we are in fact that can be like the reason why we don't identify it as trauma later right because it just feels like normal it just feels like we don't know anything other than this. And you kind of think this just must be how life is. And so like trying to go back and imagine, right? Like uh, a version of ourself that's trauma free or like right beyond the pain. It's hard. It's hard to right, Like see ourselves as something, you know, other than, than the, than, than the trauma, we can feel like we are the pain, we are the shame, right? And, and I think um, when, when you start to try to build identity, you know, it's like, it's the work of integrating and welcoming back those trauma, like those traumatic parts. And I think it's also reclaiming like, 
who we truly are underneath. And sometimes that can be the hardest work, right? Because it's like, I don't know that there is anything under there. But over time, I would say that, you know, I discover that there are like fundamental things inside of me that are me, right? That are beyond the trauma. Um, you know, like my strength, my resilience. Um, I would even say like my humor. <laughs> I start to identify things or it's like, oh, you know, I, this feels like, this feels like me. Um, but that it's a process. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's right. Like, um, I think it's, it's, it makes sense that you, you would wonder like, is there anything in there? <laughs> right. That's like, yeah, that's, that's good. And it's me. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at now still looking for what is me <laughs> but mm -hmm. you know it's a process and, and I'm okay with knowing that it's a process um you know <sighs> yeah I start to like um I mean I would say that that's like work for me that came yeah after more like uh integration of trauma related parts right like those were the most urgent Mm. Um, that needed the most attention um, as those start to what's the word um, like ground or like um, start to feel more resolved or understood or seen then there starts to be room right like space to say now what do I want right like or who do I like who am I when I'm not having to, to think about and work through and process trauma all the time, right? Um, that can be a daunting journey, right? Honestly, especially when you've already built a life, um, you know, it, sometimes that feels really scary because the lives that we've built that are sometimes built on survival you know, once we start to discover ourselves outside of trauma, the lives that we're living maybe don't resonate, right? And that is, it's hard to look at our life and say, like, is this what I want? Because um, that, that in, in and of itself can be kind of scary. Mm, yeah, I've, I've faced that in a way in my career, in what I was doing. So I had, um, I've, completed my PhD and was sort of on the academic pathway but that's sort of a career that requires you to work and work and work and work and work all the time and that used to fit me because that was one of my coping strategies I would just work and work and work all the time but doing this work I've realized that's not what I want that's not what I want in my life like that's not you know and then that was like you know, huge. Cause it's like, I'm, I'm in this career that I don't want to be in. I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I want to be able to enjoy my life. You know, that's, so it's like, you know, those huge shifts come and you know, it can be a challenge for sure. Yeah. I think, right. Like, um, I definitely have felt that and it's, oh, so layered there where it's like, 
it's the loss of like, you know, having built a career around survival instead of around like authenticity, right? Like what we want. Um, and so those shifts, oh, I, I just think they, they bring so much where it's like, you know, considering what it's gonna cost to, to make those kinds of big changes. And it's also like the loss of having to do that, right? Where it's like wishing that we just would have been able to, right, develop and grow and be ourselves and, and discover who we were, which, like I said, I, I, I actually believe is like a lifelong process for, for right, everyone. It's like a mm. human process. But I think when you throw trauma in the mix, um, I would say there's just loss, right? There's like this feeling that we lose years to surviving instead of growing or, right, like discovering, um, you know, the whole, the whole process is, is discovery, but I think there's definitely, yeah, there's just definitely loss um, living a life built around survival and then, and then trying to change that. Yeah, I think it's the loss. And then to me at the moment, it's like, I feel like I'm reaching sort of, uh, sort of like the precipice where things are changing. And mm -hmm. for me, that's terrifying. And I've never had so much, I don't know, there's, I've just had fear after fear after fear after fear just like coming at me because it's like, I don't know, I'm afraid of not, I don't know, not surviving. I don't know if that makes sense, mm -hmm. but like not being that anymore. It's just so scary for me. And that's something I'm, you know, really struggling to move through. Yeah, I think that makes sense, right? Where it's like um, when your identity is built around survival, and, and, and then it's like trying not to survive, right? For sure that question then would come as like, well, then who am I if I'm not surviving, um, right? And, and I, I think the image of a precipice is, is so on point because, right, it kind of feels like a leap, right? Out, mm. into, out into thin air where it's like, um, because I think under, right, I would say for me, like self-growth, discovery, right, like requires some risk taking where I have to kind of like put myself out there and not know what's going to happen, right, um, which as a survivor just sounds like, you know, like danger, 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 danger. Yes. <laughs> so it's like risk taking is so hard as a trauma survivor because we're built around safety, like make it like, how do I be safe, right? How do I reduce risk? Um, and so like trying to figure out who we are and, and try new things and like be vulnerable in relationships and all of that stuff requires risk. And so for sure, it can just feel like you're shaking in your boots all the time where it's like, ah, I, or like you're jumping right from that, that precipice. It's like, 
am I like, am I going to catch me <laughs> or like, you know, how's it, how am I going to land? Um, my experience is like, we do that in, or I did that in small ways, little bits at a time. And, and the more I, I caught myself and like walked myself through it, I started to feel like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Like I got me, I, mm. I can do it. Um, but it, you know, I, I would even say to this day, there's still moments where I'm shaking in my boots going like, and looking, you know, over the precipice and not seeing the bottom. And then I'm just like, Oh, I just, you know, and everything inside of me is like, this is not okay. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's like, uh, what's balancing that out, the fear and like, um, you know, I would say those like neural pathways that are like, stay safe, right, is, is now there's like, um, what would it be, I guess, like some hope and some confidence in myself, right, that like, I want this, and, and, and I can do it, right, um, it's gonna be scary, um, but like, right, there's a, there's a balance, something balancing out the fear that feels like adventure, maybe, right, or like, I want this, like, I'm going to, you know, like, I'm going to go out and grab this, like, I'm deserving. Um, and I would just say that that comes right um, through the parts work where when we learn the skills and we figure out that we have inside of us resources and power and strength to navigate our trauma and, uh, and heal it, right, we start to, we start to trust ourselves that like, I can do this, you know, like I can walk myself through really tough things. And, and, and I have my back. Um, so then somewhere out there, yeah, like, I would say that fear, you know, isn't a sign um, that like, it's not working. It's just that part of us that's like, ah, <laughs> right? Like, I just want to be safe. And it's like, um, like, I hear that. Yeah, like, I want to be safe too. But I don't want to be, you know, like, so consumed by being safe that I like, I'm not living anymore, right? Which was what was what was happening before. So I think it makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> that you're, that that precipice is there and it's like, ah, and, um, yeah, I think, right. That the precipice might not ever go away, but I think, right. That feeling of like, I can catch myself might start to grow. Mm. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that sounds like a good, um, place to talk about um, the birth of the wise healer self so just to sort of formalize that yeah so you know like I was saying before when um, when we when we can't when it's hard to see ourselves before the trauma it can it can be hard to believe right like that there are resources inside of me or like parts of me um that are healing, that are compassionate, that are curious, 
Um, so for me, like I ended up actually <laughs> creating parts that represented those things until I felt like those parts were me, right? Cause like at first I was like, yeah, I don't have that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so I just started to imagine, right? Like what, what a wise healer would look like or what I, you know, like a protector, not a unhealthy protector. That's like pushing maybe and shoving people away, but that's like, right? Like maybe somebody who watches the boundaries. Um, right. So I start to, you know, imagine these parts and what they might look like just as I'm, as I've like, you know, my body in its, um, you know, deep wisdom compartmentalized my trauma, you know, and, and created these these parts of myself, um, to help me survive, you know, I'm like, okay, so maybe I can build parts out of like resilience and strength and, you know, compassion. Um, so at first, like maybe all you can do is entertain that idea, right? Like if it feels just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know (laughs) about that. It's like, well, let's just sit with it for a second. See, right. You know, how, how it grows. Um, but over time, right. Like as I, I would say grow these wise healers, you know, as my trauma related parts show up, they show up with healers too. It's like, Hey, I, Hey, I know, I know how to, how to help Mm -hmm. you, how to hear you, how to see you. Um, and then those parts, those wise healers start to feel as real, right, as the trauma-related parts who are, who've been around longer and who are louder, right, but I'm, I'm growing um, their opposites, right, like their supporters, um, their comforters. I absolutely love what you said there. You said something about uh, my body and it's wisdom and how it compartmentalized and I think it just really gets to the point that you know our bodies are always trying to serve us you know they're acting for us no matter how much we don't feel it at the time you know finding that love for our bodies is is so important yeah right I think I would say definitely a part of that compartmentalization and that dissociation and that split is that mind body split, right? Where we Mm. cut off, um, we cut off our connection to the body and, and we don't want to live there anymore. Right. Because living in our bodies is where we experience emotion, where we experience body sensations, right. Where we, um, where we really like, not just think about trauma, but we feel it. So yeah, it would make sense. It's like, I don't want to be in my body and like what my body holds, we reject. It's like, I'm going to reject it. I don't want to deal with that. I think, right. Like just because it's so unconscious, it's like, um, instead of saying I'm rejecting like the abuse that my body's been through, we end up just rejecting our bodies. And I think the world we grow up in, in a way sort of encourages that. 
sort of like we grow up in this world where where logic and thinking and being in your mind is where you should be and our bodies are seen as untrustworthy and something to to tame and you know yes I mean I think like this introduction to for me to like the wisdom of of my body and its ability to survive right and like get me through things was like uh, right. Like I was just like, what? <laughs> it was really hard to understand. Um, yeah. And I think that's been a process for me where, um, part of the war is, was being at war with my body and, and hating my body and right. And like, and I would even say, right. Like, um, harming my body. Cause I just, I didn't like what it held. Um, Right. And then I'm shifting over time to see like the wisdom of my body. Um, and, and I think ultimately like that my body's on my side, right? Like it, it, it want it, like it helped me to survive. It's also going to help me heal. Right. Like in that same, um, wisdom of like survival, it also, I think has a lot of wisdom to drive healing too, um, and so part of that process where it was like learning to befriend that part of myself too. Yeah. A huge part of the process for me definitely was, and like you said, it was sort of like when you first learned about it, it's like, what, you yeah. know, <laughs> when, when I first learned that bodies actually feel emotions, that emotions are just things you think in your head. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, like you're supposed to feel stuff there. <laughs> <laughs> right. I totally, yes. I remember. And I think I, I've, uh, this is something we're talking about uh, on breaking down CPTSD this week, which is like when, when I got into recovery and people are like feeling is healing. And I was like, I don't what, I don't even know, like, what does that even mean? And, um, you know, like I didn't have words. I didn't like, and, and this idea that like, I feel it in my body. I mean, it, like, I felt like people were just like speaking to me in a language I didn't understand. I was just like, I, I hear the words, but like, I don't know what they mean. Um, yeah. So like a process of learning, what I would call like felt recovery. Cause like I thought my way through recovery for a long time, analyzing and like reading all the books and right. Like breaking down what trauma is. And that only got me so far. Like I had to learn how to feel my way through it. And, and that was really, that was really, really hard. Mm. It was. And even for me, for a long time, I thought I was feeling, I'd sort of opened up some of my feeling. But my therapist said to me, he said, you always talk about everything sort of being like in your chest and your neck. He said, what do you ever feel in your stomach? And this was only like a month ago. I was like, nothing. I didn't feel anything there. And I was like, what am I supposed to feel there? So I was like, even like, I thought I had gotten there and like, there was still like parts of me that were still shut off. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I, right. Like, it's like, uh, what I would say, what I would like speak to in terms of the wisdom of the body, um, is that like, I, one thing I've learned to trust about my body is that like, it will reveal 
what comes next. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't have to, like, as long as, right, like, as long as I'm listening and, like, I'm paying attention, right, like, I'm not actively trying to, like, numb and dissociate and run, which I'm better at recognizing now, like, my body will point me to what comes next, and I don't have to, like, be chasing recovery all the time, right, like, my body will reveal the layers, like, as I can handle them, like that's yes. like the innate wisdom of the body, right? Where it's like my, my, a sponsor I had in a program would say like, if you, she would talk about denial as like this blanket. And she's like, if you just ripped the whole, like the blanket off right now, all of it, like you would be so overwhelmed. Like you would just shut down. Like you're, you're not, you're not, you don't have the capacity to handle it all right now. So we're like peeling it back slowly and your body knows how to do that (laughs) and so if you can start to trust it right that like the layers will reveal themselves as your capacity grows and your body knows that you're ready um recovery starts to take on what would i say like i want to say ease but it's not easy but maybe like a flow right where like Mm. You just start to trust the process a little bit more knowing that like, like it, like that your body knows, right? Like that it, that it will reveal, um, what, what needs attention next, like as you go along the path. Yeah. I once heard someone say, and I can't remember who it was, but it was like, your body will only give you what you can handle. And that has been the biggest source of comfort for me because like when things get get really hard and when, you know, the feelings are coming at me really hard, it's, I just, you know, my body is only giving me this because I can handle it right now. And then, you know, I, I tell myself that I can handle this, you know, it wouldn't give it to me if I couldn't handle it. And that's, you know, been such a source of comfort in those really hard, hard times. <laughs> sure. And I think really that capacity right, like continues to grow. So I I would find myself like, so overwhelmed in a place, right, in a particular part of recovery. And then like over time, my capacity grows and I start to say like, okay, like (laughs) I'm feeling pretty good. Like, you know, I made it through that. And, And maybe the next reveal pushes me just beyond my capacity, right? Where it's like, and I'm feeling a little overwhelmed again, right? And yes. but my body doesn't <laughs> keep pushing me beyond my capacity, it, it, right? Like it reveals and I feel that overwhelm and then it gives me time, right? To like build my capacity for that, for that thing. Every yeah. time I'm building that layer of capacity though, right? Like the next thing that's coming up in some ways, like I have a, like I have a foundation, it might still be hard, but like, I've got a pretty, right. Like I have layers and layers of experience of saying like, I can get through this next growth of capacity. I can get through this next piece where at first I feel like, like I had in the same program with the sponsor, um, it was a 12 step program. And at every step, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> and she was like, 
she was like, you say that at the beginning of every step. And I was like, I know, because it feels like I can't. And then I would get to the end and I'd be like, I did it. <laughs> right? Like almost surprised, but um, it taught me something, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. at the beginning, I can feel like, oh, I cannot do that. And she would say like, you're building the skills to do it. Like you might not feel like you have them now because you maybe don't, right? Like, but you're going to learn them through this process. And it's like, okay. Um, so I started, that was like that trust process of like, okay, I really feel like I can't do this probably because I don't have the skills yet, but I'm going to get them. I'm going to figure it out. And then, you know, in a certain amount of time, I'm going to be on the other side going, I did it. I figured it out. Right. Like I grew. Um, and then you start, and I like started to trust that process. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how you say, like you sort of, you know, you get to that next step and it feels overwhelming again. That's happened to me so many times. It's like, I get there. I think, yes, I'm there. I'm feeling so good. Things are so good. And then it's like, boom, like the next thing hits you and you're like, Oh no, like I can't do this again. And it's like, you know, I was talking about my stomach. So it was like three days ago, I woke up with this like intense feeling in my stomach and it's just grown. And I ended up like sick all day today. And it's like, that's my next thing. My next hour yeah. has come along, you know, and it's like, I was feeling great. And then it's, you know, it, and then it hits you and it's like, just, it's like building your capacity. It really is just like that. I think like the, 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 like the important thing my sponsor would remind me, right. was like, cause every time I hit this new thing, I'd be like, it's that feeling of like starting over or mm. like regression. It's like, Oh my gosh. Um, but you know, it, it, it was helpful, right. To have her there going like, you are not in the same place, right. Like who you were a step ago, who you were a few months ago, right? Like, um, is not the same person, right? Like when we, and so that was another part that started to shift where I would feel like those, those new discoveries or there's those new layers were like, what would they feel like? Step backwards, right? Like, or regressions or like, um, like I was losing capacity, right? I start to see like, nope, these are showing up as a result of my growth, right? Like a result of my capacity. And so that narrative starts to shift. It's like, that doesn't make the work any easier, I would say, right? It's still so, so hard. The work is hard, but having that perspective of like, but I'm capable. I got this right. Like it's showing up because I'm growing, not because I'm not growing. Right. Like at least gives me a context of like hope and compassion as opposed to like shame and hopelessness, you know, like why do I keep sliding backwards instead of like, no, I'm taking steps deeper, right? Like I'm growing that shift help too yeah I agree and for me I think it comes back to that idea of you know my body only gives me what I'm ready for and it's like it's given me this because I've reached a point where I'm ready you know and that's gross that the fact that it's given me this now is is my growth it sucks it sucks you know (laughs) (laughs) but it's like it's 
you know, I'm ready for it now, which is huge. Yeah, the depth of the work, right? I would say the depth of the work does get more challenging. Um, it can be get like it can get scarier, and um, and it yeah, like it 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 doesn't necessarily. I mean, in some ways, it might get easier, but I guess it's just like the work is hard and it's not hard because you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's yeah. just hard work. Um, and so like, I think that can feel, yes, that can feel so frustrating. Like this is hard work and I'm really tired of doing hard work. And I would just like the, the next thing that comes in my mind is like, and that's just a reflection of needing rest. Like you've got to rest through mm-hmm. the work. Right when your body reveals more, it's like, I can do this. And the the way I'm going to do this, right. is like bit by bit. And I'm going to take care of myself and rest while I'm doing it. Right. Like I don't have to just wear myself out to the end, you know, and just like run myself in the ground to heal. Right. Like, part of that process for me was learning that through those layers, the deeper I go, the more self-care I need, right? The more rest and, and breaks and right. Like were needed as I went deeper. Yeah. As you say that, actually, it's been sort of, you know, the last couple of months of me that I've really needed to take more breaks, actually. Mm -hmm. I've really needed to, you know, adjust how I do things I do a lot of mindfulness meditations and I've had to do a lot more guarded visualizations and things like that instead just to be more gentle with myself so yeah 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 it's not in it I you know you have to take it as it's not a sign that you're going backwards it's just a sign that things are you know you're going deeper Mm -hmm. Mm. and I like I think right like as opposed to like a linear model of like forwards and backwards, (laughs) right? Like I think I, for me, the imagery of like deeper expanding, growing, right? Is, is more helpful or hopeful than like steps forward, steps backwards, right? Like I like the idea of a spiral, right? Where we're like circling around the same kinds of issues sometimes like we're revisiting maybe like traumas more than once or like griefs but every time we circle around like we're we're moving up the spiral right like we're we're growing um we're expanding um so those right like these are all just like metaphors and perspectives that are helpful for me and shift, right? Like the way I look at recovery. So it doesn't feel so hopeless, right? And like, um, shaming, it's like, I, I, re, I, I reorient myself and ground myself by coming back to those images of like, depth and growth, right? And expanding. Mm. Yeah, those are so helpful, those images. Mm-hmm. Well, Sarah, I feel like I could talk to you all day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
we did say we were going to be an hour and we've already gone over that. Um, so I think um, I should wrap this up for you so I don't take all of your time. Um, but I want to say thank you so much. It has been incredible. Um, is there anything else you would like to, to add or say um, to finish up? Or um, I think like <laughs> my big message, right, is like, or the message that I want to convey through my platform and voice is right a message of like hope that there's a way through healing complex trauma recovery that like oftentimes um the reason that we feel like we're not healing isn't because we're broken um or like we can't heal it's because we lack resources we lack support we lack right? Like education and knowledge. Um, and once we like, at least for me, right? Once I had that, um, once I started to, to get in touch um, with the right resources for me, uh -huh. um, healing starts to feel, you know, completely possible. And, and I would even say like today, like I'm not trauma free, but I'm definitely living a life that's satisfying and content, um, right? And and um, looks definitely more like the life I've always wanted to live, you know, over the years. And so um, that's what I would just say, like, keep looking, right? Like keep seeking those trauma-informed um, communities, right? And people, because, um, because there is, there's a way through this. There's a way um, to heal and, and make your way through. Yeah, I don't think I could have said that any better myself. <laughs> really, Such I enjoy talking to you though. Like I've had so much fun. <laughs> yeah, so so have I. I. I am like a parts work. Like I geek out on parts work. Honestly, like I love it. I <laughs> I make jokes. Um, sometimes with like friends who have started parts work where I just I'm like I feel like I can just bond with you on this new level <laughs> of yes. parts work because like I don't know like I just um, it was such a powerful modality for me made so much sense um, so like when, when when I can talk to people about it I'm just like oh I'm just in my happy place like I, I think it's such a hopeful um yeah recovery modality I just love it it is it is and I I've, I've said it before but it's like there is more hope than what we have been led to believe mm -hmm. oftentimes and for me my sort of entry point into this was obviously my physical pain and it was like I'd reached a point where I believed that I would never heal my physical pain mm -hmm. because that's what I had told you know this was lifelong but it's like there is so much more hope than we've often been led to believe. And as you said, it's just finding the right resources and the things that resonate and get you going. Yeah, that's what I, yeah. I mean, I think that's it's like that feeling that you said of like feeling like this is never going to end. I mean, I would, I would define that as hopelessness, right? Like mm. that feeling of hopelessness is that I'm in pain and it will never end. Right. And it's such an excruciating place to live. Right. Just feeling like there's no way out. And so 
that's what I'm passionate about. It's like, like trauma survivors can heal. They just need the right resources in their hands and finding those resources is really hard, right? So like, how do we make them more accessible so that they can feel hopeful, right? That there's like a way through. Mm, Yeah. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) I just, yeah, this makes me happy. (laughs) I want to just, if you don't mind, I'd like to just pitch um, one last time. It's, it's, it's not out currently, but I would say in the next, I don't know, maybe two to three weeks, um, that survive, like my survivor's guide to getting started with parts work. It's kind of like a, um, writing slash art journal, um, workbook will Mm -hmm. be available, um, in my survivor shop, um, at sarahair.com. So if, if you're interested in, in learning more about parts work and you want to maybe like hear it from a, a survivor's perspective, watch for that um, workbook coming out soon. Yeah. And I'll put a link um, to your, to your website and to your Instagram in the show awesome. notes for anyone that's interested. Um, okay. And I'm, I'll definitely be checking that work with, book out when it comes out. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. It was such a joy. Okay, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I um, really did. And I hope you got a lot out of it. Uh, Don't forget to share it with your friends, share the healing around, um, follow the show. Yeah. um, Thanks for listening. And I will, I'll see you next time.